Please listen carefully. Guys, uh, this is Dory, and I'm here with Rachel and Chris. Today, we're gonna kind of flip flop the roles, and uh, we're gonna get Chris behind. We're gonna get him on the hot seat, um, so to speak. We're gonna ask him questions. Uh, hot seat. Yeah, he, right now he's on the red plastic uh, Adirondack chair, which we're gonna call the hot seat today. So, we're gonna ask him a few questions, get to know him, um, and see where the conversation takes us. So uh, let's start with where you grew up. Tell us uh, where you grew up, funny stories from middle school, high school, where you went. Uh, we know you're a city boy, so. Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey. A lot of people might not know that I'm adopted. So I was born in South Korea. I flew over here when I was three months old. Uh, I was an orphan, so I was in an orphanage. And they had like a whole bunch of us little babies and kids fly over in a, in a plane with these caretakers. And then um, I think we flew into Newark uh, airport and all the parents were like waiting there to pick up their kids. Yeah, so I, uh, my like airplane day is um, July 3rd. And yeah, I mean, let me see, I have two sisters, uh, both younger, both adopted, but none of us are related biologically. Um, the middle sister, Laura, is from Texas, San Antonio. And then my youngest sister is from South Korea as well. But again, we're not biologically related. Went to Catholic school my whole life. Um, I was a pretty good student. Um, I was like a, a basic, like, good Catholic school boy. Was altar boy. You know, don't do pretty much anything with the church now days but like yeah did the altar boy stuff worked in the rectory did youth group like totally good catholic school boy growing up ended up going to high school in new york city um to a uh, a private jesuit school um and that was there were a number of options around my home and i thought about like playing soccer at those places um but then this opportunity came up for this um you know, pretty challenging high school in, in the city. And so you had to interview for it and, and take a test, special test for it. And uh, so I, got, I was able to get in, sneak in. And uh, so that, that experience of commuting into the city from New Jersey was really cool because, you know, as a, as a teenager, you know, you want, typically as a teenager, you want to like kind of find yourself or like strike out on your own. And, and so taking the regular commuter bus, like with all these commuting, you know, workers and hopping on the subway and like learning that system um you know it's pretty uh, like my folks are were pretty strict growing up but you know it, they wanted me to go to the school and so to have the freedom of like getting on the bus and getting on the subway and being in like what some people might consider dangerous places like that was actually that was pretty cool for me do you remember um, the exact route you took oh yeah for sure yeah, yeah. it was the 11 uh, the 11A bus uh, and in Milford got went to the Port Authority and took the 4, 5, or 6 up. 6 was the local, so you didn't really want to get that, but yeah, yeah 4, 5 Express. Up. Or the Crosstown bus, actually. Um, um, 
and then yeah, take the seven over, cross town, and then up, or take, you know, the A, A or D possibly on the west side, and then take cross town bus. So there are a couple of different ways depending on like when you got off yeah. the bus. Yeah. You knew your your times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you knew the times. Good. Although there was, we luckily, um, it was like cool at first, but then just like most people had they realized that a commute is actually not that fun. Yeah. Um, after you know the first year, it was got old, and so we we had this guy or this older kid who went to the high school, and his dad worked out in the Long Island. I, he was a doctor of some sort, and um, he actually drove us in a lot. So he would drop us right off at the door, which was awesome because we would meet all meet in our town, and then he would drive us in, yeah. and we were able to like nap on the way in because you know yeah. teenagers in the morning. But yeah, it was, it was a cool experience. So like I have buddies from all over New York City, New Jersey, Brooklyn, yeah. the Bronx. Yeah. So. And you played soccer at this high school? Yeah. So uh, growing up, I played, uh, like as a little kid, I played basketball, baseball, soccer. But then baseball and basketball dropped off and um, ended up playing soccer through high school. We were, I mean, it was like a really nerdy high school. So like, you know. We didn't have a football team, or like the running joke was that the football team was undefeated since 1912, you know, because there was no football team. Yeah. Um, and uh, so played soccer, was tri-captain senior year, but that, you know, I, I was really not that good. It was more because I got along with everybody. Um, like I think one year our goalie had more goals than like two of the captains at one point, so, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty bad, um, but we had fun, you know, it was, it was more for, for the fun, so, um, and, our, but our coach, I remember our coach, it didn't strike me until starting CrossFit, but our coach was very much into the fitness aspect of it, so, like, we would have to take a bus up to Randall's Island, um, a subway, and then a bus over to Randall's Island to practice, because in the city, we were right by the, the Metropolitan Museum of Art, that's where our high school was. Yeah. Central Park couldn't be used to play soccer because they were renovating the whole park. And so we had to travel a good 45 minutes just to practice. And the field was, you know, crap. It was, like, dusty and mostly dirt, not even grass. And, you know, it was, like, but whatever. Like, we just dealt with it. And, um, and John Vigan, he was, like, all about the classic rock and all about fitness. Like he was very much about if you can be more fit than the other team, that's something that you have control over versus your soccer skills. Like the, the soccer skills matter, but if you can outrun them in the second half, that can make a huge difference. So that wasn't something that I, you know, we, he worked us hard and it was a lot of body weight stuff because we didn't have, you know, we didn't really have a nice weight room at the high school and, and at practice we didn't have the weight room at all. So it was something I didn't really appreciate until later on. Later, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then afterwards you went to the University of Wisconsin, correct? Uh, that would be false. Oh, be false. you went yeah, somewhere so else. I went to Villanova. Ah. That's how I ended up in the area. <laughs> Did Looked at like a five hour radius uh, for colleges. So I really liked the Boston area, but, um, and like I really liked Boston College, but they didn't have an engineering program. So at the time I was going for engineering. 
I figured, well, you know, a lot of kids that I was going to high school with were going to be lawyers or doctors, and I was decent at math and science, and I like science and how things worked, and so I was like, well, a lot of us, a lot of these guys are going for engineering, so I'll go for engineering. So went to Villanova for engineering, um, had an internship between sophomore and junior year that um, was, was great because I hated it. So it was great because I realized I didn't want to do engineering. Um, so I went to the career counselor, uh, like on campus, did all those like tests or inventories that they talk about on the, on the tours that you go. Like as a high schooler, you're like, oh, yeah. you can take advantage of our career center, right? And no one ever does, but that that beginning of junior year I did because I this internship was just so boring to me and I couldn't see myself doing that for the rest of my life. So did all these inventories. Um, the first result was like being a park ranger. So, but I was like, I don't really think I want to be a park ranger. Um, but it was more like what you got out of the answers. Like, why is it that a park ranger came up? Well, it's because I like being pretty active and being outdoors and, you know, and so, um, and then below that, just below that were things like counseling. And so I realized that I wanted to work in a high school uh, or with high schoolers. Um, and so I went through human services major, stayed to get my uh, graduate degree, master's in counseling, and then started working at Wissick High School uh, right down the road. And um, did that for five years. And uh, while that was going on, I kind of realized that I wanted to open a gym. And so ended up quitting that and spending two years as a consultant in education, traveling around the country and um, uh, doing professional development with teachers for English and math related things. And um, there was some sale, there was a lot of sales in, involved with that too. Um, and yeah, and then we opened up in May of 2017. Across the continent. So let's go back to your time in Villanova. Okay. And let's, what was your first, if you remember, CrossFit workout or how you got into CrossFit or yeah oh yeah so it was 2007 that I first heard about it that and was that, when it came out that was uh, it, bigger like a year after yeah, yeah it, the, if you go back to like on CrossFit.com I think the very first workout posted is from like 2001 or 2002 yeah. but that was like super that was early. like five people yeah, yeah yeah that was literally Greg Glassman posting his workouts and you know, five people reading. Yeah, it. five. Right, and then yeah, I would, I would say it was pretty early, especially for being on the East Coast because CrossFit started out in Santa Cruz, California. Yeah. The reason I heard about it though is because of my now my father-in-law, Diddy's dad. He's he's always been an early adopter for stuff and always been very active, and so he I think read about it in a magazine, like a men's health magazine, and he mentioned it, and that was the first time I heard about it I kind of archived it and was just like okay cool like you know you, you do your thing and I think at the time he was um, moving to El Salvador for a number of years so the family was moving to El Salvador and so um, for, for his work and so he needed something to like do um, yeah. within the, his house like some high intensity workout and I think at the time P90X was pretty popular 
so it wasn't that unusual to do high intensity stuff, but um, CrossFit was not known at all. Like I had to explain it from, I explained it for a lot of years. Um, later on in 2007 though, I watched the movie 300 and the documentary about how they got in shape was basically CrossFit. So they worked with this guy named Mark Twight and he and Greg Glassman, you know, knew each other and, and kind of worked together. I mean, they've kind of since like broken apart and whatnot, but I mean, they were essentially doing CrossFit. And so, um, I connected the, the two things, the thing that Eric said and, and the documentary, and then I looked into it. I stalked CrossFit.com for a month looking at all of the videos that they posted because they were all about free content, which is very unusual because like P90X, um, you had to you had to pay for the DVDs, you know? Yep. And so it was really against the grain for CrossFit to release all of their content, right? Their workouts, the videos, like how to do it. And I just got sucked into this world. So this was 2007, so I was in grad school. Um, and it, I took a month to just watch every video I could. And then eventually the last day in January, 2008, I decided to go to the school gym and try this workout. And the workout, I forget the exact, I think it was three rounds. There were uh, thrusters involved. So 95, 65 prescribed. I started with, uh, I think I started with 65 and then by the end, by the second round I dropped to 45. I guarantee you I wasn't going down deep enough, guarantee it. There were um, handstand push-ups. I, I definitely did not do handstand push-ups. I, I had my feet on a box and I was doing probably limited range of motion, you know. And, um, and then I think there were deadlifts. And I'm gonna say it was 225, 155 prescribed. I probably, I think I, I have notes, but I probably started with like 95 pounds and probably dropped to like 65. Um, and it was awful. It was really terrible. Yeah. yeah. But I loved it. Yeah. So I just continued. So that whole year, that next year and a half from 2008 till I graduated grad school. I just did it at the school gym. So I was the crazy guy who took up a lot of equipment and like was running from station to station. Preaching so. choir. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, right. Um, super sore. Very... Like, I would take a week off completely because I was so sore from things because I didn't know how to scale things, right? Yeah. Like, I didn't have a coach, right? That's one of the benefits of going to a place with a coach. And uh, and there's also just, like, the adaptation, right? Like, just getting used to CrossFit. Like, you're going to be sore. So um, I was the guy who, on the forums, was asking if I should run five miles before or after because I didn't feel like it was enough to do a 10-minute workout. I just didn't get why that could be effective or how that could be effective. And, and, the, and the other people on the forums would, like, laugh at me and be like, ha, ah, like, you'll get it. Like, just do it, and you'll, you'll understand after a couple months. And so, and I did, but I, I could not conceive how a 10- or 15-minute workout could be all you needed to do. Yeah, yep. Um, do you remember your, what was your code name on the forums? Or your, your I, you know, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there was this, so Brand X which were the folks that started Across the Kids. Um, they had a forum where, and they, back in the day, even back then, they offered four different levels of the workout. Yeah. So they would take a workout of the day, and they would offer uh, a big dog, 
or, or Big Dog was the RX version. Um, Pack was, it was like all dog related. So, or I guess it wasn't, because Pack was just below that. So pretty fit, but you just can't do the prescribed weights. Uh, it was like Daisy, I want to say. And then the, the, the lowest one, because I, I remember, because I did the, the Buttercup version a lot, was Buttercup. So it went Buttercup, I want to say it was like Daisy or something, and then Pack, and then it was a big dog. So, you know, if you were a big dog, you were doing things prescribed. And yeah. those guys were like super hardcore. It was like, oh my God, I'm never going to be able to do anything prescribed. Like, I hate back squats. I hate deadlifts. Like, I don't know how to do them. I'm so bad at them. I was using the bar with the pad for the, oh, uh, neck. For yeah. the neck, neck because yeah. it was so awkward to put a yeah. bar in my neck. And I didn't understand how people could use a bar without a pad. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was so bad. And I, and I wrote, like, I hate deadlifts. Or I wrote, like, I'm so un- I, deadlifts are just not good for me because I have a bad back. Or, like, it's just bad for me because I don't know how to do them. Yeah. yeah. So it, and you were all doing this all by yourself. It was all by myself, yeah. So you were kind of teaching yourself as well. Oh, for sure. Like yeah, I guarantee you I was doing things wrong. Guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. I remember I did the same yeah. first few CrossFit workouts I did. I just looked at it and then tried it. Yeah. And I was like, this might be right. Yeah, like I guarantee you my squats were not to depth, anywhere yeah. near depth, even though they felt deep. I guarantee you um, any Olympic lifting was just off the charts terrible, yep. right? Like, because I didn't know what I looked like either. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, made it work. And the only bars they had were 45-pound bars. So, you know, for a lot of those movements, like overhead squats, I, I didn't even, I probably cherry-picked them, honestly. Um, and yeah. double-unders, I definitely cherry-picked. Like, I didn't do my first double-under for, like, a year and a half mm-hmm. because I just, I just would do, like, single-under substitutes or not jump rope at all. Yeah. Yeah. When did, uh... At the same time as your nutrition, did you ever struggle with your nutrition or learn through CrossFit? About My nutrition, nutrition changed a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say I struggled per se. I was never really like a fat kid, um, but I also didn't have a lot of muscle either, right? So I was like a typical soccer player who could run, but that was that was about it. There was no yeah. no definition. There was no like tone, right? Um, but you were, were you like a. The skinny kid who ate a full pizza. Yeah, like I could eat. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, I could eat a full pizza. I could eat. But did the CrossFit ever help you? Like, did those early posts did it ever help you like learn about nutrition? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And even not even through there. CrossFit, but like there was a there was a book by an ultra marathoner, um, Dean Carnazes, and I read his book, and this was at the time when like ultra running was like, or like the um, the Indian tribes were able to, came out where they could, like, Born to Run, the book Born to Run came out, and you would learn about these natives who could run for miles and miles uh, barefoot, or, like, just with, like, thin sandals. Yeah. And so I went down that road of, like, reading books about ultramarathons and um, read this book by Dean Carnazes, and he, in the section, wrote about not eating any carbs, meaning, like, bread or pasta, and only eating, you know, meat, and veggies and fruit. And I was like, what? Like, this is crazy. Like, this idea that you would not eat carbs, meaning grains or, or bread or pasta, as a runner was, like, ludicrous. Yeah. And so 
I remember that being a light bulb moment, or not even a light bulb moment, because I didn't, I didn't automatically change over to thinking, oh, I shouldn't eat bread or pasta. But the first nutrition things that I toyed around with, uh, it was the zone. So it was really just, yeah. it was weighing and measuring. And I forget where I read it, but one of the tips was don't, don't really take anything out per se, like keep eating what you're eating, which as a kid in grad school, I was buying as much pasta as I could and just and eating that because that's what I could afford, right? Um, so all I did was just add in like ground beef to the pasta that I was already eating and I would naturally eat less pasta because I was adding in something else. Yeah. And then over time, it just that shift of like percentage would change. So yeah, the first, the first kind of thing I toyed around with was the zone. I definitely didn't do it right the first time I tried it on my own. But then once I joined a box, it was they did a, a challenge and I like did it to a T. Nice. Yeah, some major results in terms of like losing body fat. The muscle mass was growing because I was doing CrossFit, but it didn't really show itself until I like really focused on the nutrition. At what point did you decide to join a box? So I think we, you know, so at this point, I was obviously doing it. Um, Diddy and I were dating. And I believe she was interested in doing it, but she wanted, she knew she needed a coach other than me. Because I was not a, a coach. Like, I was just doing it on my own. And so we we Googled it, or we looked it up, and Cross the King of Prussia was the closest one. Because back then, there were like three in the area, right? Yeah. It was like Cross the Generation, Barry up in Horsham, and then Amy at King of Prussia. So I think Barry was first, 2007. And then Amy and Rob, I think were around the same time. Um, Rob down at DelVal, Amy, and then also like Tanya and Josh over at Apex. I think those were like the four like original area CrossFits. And so like, we just looked it up and King Prussia was, you know, the closest one. And this was even not in their current location. This was at a, at a uh, uh, like an auto body shop hidden away off, uh, off 202. And Diddy joined first because she had already graduated and had like an income because she, like, she had money, right? And even back then, like, it was a little over like 100 bucks, I think. And, but it was expensive, like, compared to a regular gym. So she joined consistently first. I think I got like a two times a week, so I could go on weekends. And it was, I wanna say it was like 80 bucks or something to do that. Um, and then once I got the job with WIS and had, and, and I knew that I had an income coming, um, I committed to, to go in whatever the unlimited was, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so that was 2009. It was probably, it was spring of 2009. And then at what point during that journey did you know that you wanted to open your own gym? It wasn't for a while, honestly. Um, I started coaching in 2009. Um, Amy, you know, pulled me aside and, and said, you know, hey, would you ever think about coaching? And and I, I honestly had not because I didn't, I still didn't know like what the games were. Like joining a, a gym opens you up to so many like cultural things. Yeah. So like doing it on my own, I didn't really, I followed the very, like the 2008 CrossFit Games online, but it was limited in terms of media and stuff. 
it's like I kind of knew what it was, but I didn't realize it was such a big thing, which nowadays is a small thing, but back then it was bigger and bigger every year. And um, and so I had I definitely did not think about like coaching, but when she asked me, I was like, uh, yeah, I think I, yeah, sure, I like helping people. And so got my level one, started coaching. Uh, tons of learning experience from that. Like the the when you look at coaches now and you're like, oh yeah, I could do that. Because I definitely was like, oh yeah, I could do that. Yeah. And then you get your first solo class, and it, I was like a frozen deer, like or deer caught in headlights. Okay, I was like, oh my god, I forget everything I want to say. I don't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, back then we didn't have like lesson plans that we do now. Like you just came up with a warm-up that you think would be appropriate and you, you know you did it but like I was I was really frozen um so it I think in like 2010 2010 or 2011 one of our other coaches Nikki uh and Nikki and John they opened up CrossFit Phoenixville she announced that she was going to be opening it and that was definitely my first time that I was like oh maybe I want to do that but I, in my mind, the role of an owner and, and also a coach was so high up on a pedestal in terms of how much I thought you would need to know and how much, how, how good you needed to be at your craft that in 2011 or whatever it was, I, I thought I wanted to do it at some point, but I also wanted a lot more experience, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted to put in the time both on a coaching level from a CrossFit level, but then also a business level because I had no business experience whatsoever. Um, so I just waited, and I didn't have a plan. I didn't have, like, I didn't say, okay, after two years I will open a place because sometimes I am, uh, it's not that I'm not confident. It's just um, I think because my, in my mind, like, to, to do to take that leap was was so big or like to to be an owner you you really just need to know everything right um, or I thought that and um, and yeah so I so I really kind of like I didn't really think about it but I but I knew I needed to just put in time so over the years got my level two got my level three um, got a bunch of other specialty certs um, started photography because when we got married. Uh, got a nice camera for our honeymoon and then started taking pictures for families at the gym and then started doing weddings and and then Lamb and I kind of teamed up for weddings and so that technically was a business that I was running um, albeit part-time uh, and then it probably wasn't until 20 I don't know let's say 2013 2014 that I really put it solidly in my mind that I would do it um, and that was really because I didn't see a future in public education. I just, I, you know, the idea of like being on a very step level of in terms of salary, and you know, two people can do the same exact job. One person being really good at it, the other person doing just the bare minimum, and getting paid the same to me was a little crazy. And uh, yeah, I didn't like the red tape of public education, and so. Um, you know, part of that is like there's definitely a big rebel side to me. Um, like I just don't, I I don't like doing stuff that other people tell me if I don't think they're that competent. 
you know, if I think, if I, I've had some really good bosses, but they were all on the college level, like my bosses in residence life, and I was an RA, my, my bosses in the mission office when I worked in the mission office, I would do anything for those guys because, those girls, those women, um, because they were very good at what they did. They were very competent. Um, but then once I got into education, uh, there was a lot I disagreed with. And so I just, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. So came up with a more solid plan and um, spent the next couple of years really planning it out, paying off student loans, paying off cars, um, getting financially set to, to take the leap. What was your time like as a counselor? And how did that then help you in coaching and in the CrossFit world? That's a good question. Um, I, I believe the role of a coach, because I don't, I don't like necessarily calling us trainers, because a trainer to me is someone who just tells people what to do. And, and maybe they correct their form and stuff, right? But to me, a coach is part trainer, part counselor, part teacher, part parent, part friend. You know, there's a lot rolled into it, and, and especially with a small community like ours. And so to me, a lot of people who come in here for whether it's personal training or group classes, they come in here because Yes, they want to be fit. Yes, they want to like lose weight, but it's it's a uh, a physical, mental, and emotional release. Uh, you know, they have so much going on outside of their of this gym, like with family, with work, um, good stress and bad stress, and here they forget about all of it um, and can live in the moment, right? And like even down to the within a workout, like the, our workouts are really tough, but it means that you're not really you cannot think about the outside world because you're so focused on the workout. So yeah, I mean, part of me like would think not that the, this would actually happen, but part of me would really think that having some sort of teaching or counseling or some other help, some helping experience or degree could be like part of the requirements to be a cross coach you know because what, a lot of what we do is just listen right. you know we ask how people's day are is going we ask what's new um, some places don't do that right some people some places don't emphasize that but one of the things that we do and, and not I think even um, like we don't have a checklist right like we don't say you have to ask these questions, but you know we're just naturally curious people, and, and we want to know what's going on with people. And so, yeah, I think people are able to work out their frustrations here, physically, but then um, mentally they get stronger, and, and emotionally they get stronger because, hey, if you can do this tough benchmark or hero workout, then you know stuff outside of here is going to be easier. Uh, so, you know, I. Part of me could also see me having like a coffee shop where people just come and hang out and like enjoy themselves. Like that third place that um, uh, Howard Schultz talks about, the you know founder of Starbucks. He he wants Starbucks to be a third place, a place that people go to besides home and work. Well, Starbucks could be it, right? But you know, 
to me, that's, that's a place that you get coffee and maybe get some work done. And for a lot of people, that might be their third place. But I think this is a cooler third place because you actually get to know other people versus like if you go to Starbucks, I'm not really talking to the person next to me, right? Um, but here, we get to know each other and we get to like commiserate and, and, uh, and do the workout together. So yeah, the, the personal side to me is, is one of the biggest differences between uh, across the gym and uh, definitely in LA Fitness, like a global gym, but also some other workout programs out there where it might be in a group, but you don't really get to know each other. Did you always know that when you said you wanted to open a gym, it was for sure going to be a CrossFit gym? Did you ever think it would be oh, if you, anything else? Um, at the no, at the time when I th when, it, when I thought it'd be a CrossFit gym, yes, that I was always focused on CrossFit because I really believe in in CrossFit the method methodology as being the the best way to generally physically prepare yourself. Um, like we wouldn't. I told this to someone the other day. We wouldn't be doing CrossFit here if we didn't actually believe it was the best way to be in shape, generally in shape, right? Like if you're training for a specific sport, if you're training for a specific, like if, if a weightlifter came in here and was like, I want to go to the Olympics for weightlifting, clean and jerk and snatch, I would not recommend that they join here because we're not a weightlifting gym. We're CrossFit. We're, we're here for, for people who just want to, quote, unquote, be in shape, like just lose some weight and, you know, not be in a wheelchair later in life, right? Um, but if you asked me as a teenager, like, or growing up, or told me that I would be a, a trainer, basically, right? Uh, or like a personal trainer slash group trainer, I would have laughed at that. Because to me, growing up, a uh, personal trainer or people who work at gyms were meatheads and, you know, were, were dumb and, but just, you know, had muscles and, you know, didn't know anything else because uh, that was a stereotype I grew up with and that was the type of, like, trainers that were out there. But the more I got into the fitness world, the more I realized that these are actually some of the smartest people, regardless of industry. Uh, these are some of the smartest people that I've ever met. Like, you get people who know their stuff in CrossFit and know their, you know, kinesiology and know their exercise science and know, you know, anatomy and all that good stuff. But they also have these other interests that they can geek out on and talk incredibly uh, well about uh, nutrition being one of them, right? Um, so, yeah. So, no, I mean, growing up, I would have never, never thought I would have a fitness facility. Yeah. <laughs> I would have laughed at that, yeah. What did your training look like before you started CrossFit? Were you going to the gym? Were you just running? I would try to do the gym and do the standard like back buys, tries, bench press, but I got really bored with it. So after a couple of weeks of that, I would stop. And then the one thing I was able to kind of maintain before CrossFit was um, this like Navy SEAL type workout. Basically, it was just like a bunch of push-ups, like different style push-ups, different style like jumping squats or jumping lunges. So a lot of body weight stuff. Um, and some pull-up work and some weights, but I, I forget, like, I mean, it was definitely more of a classic bodybuilding type deal with the weights. But even then, I, don't, I probably did that for a few months before actually finding CrossFit and starting that. So I think it was a good way to get introduced or a good way to do something. 
but going to the gym was never an easy, like, I would have to talk myself into going to the gym. Yeah, so I'm not someone who, who feels like they need to work out every day. There are some people like that out there, like, they need to feel like they need to run every day or, or work out every day, um, but that is, that is definitely not me. Do you have any favorite crossword workouts? Do I have any favorite crossword workouts? Or least favorite crossword workouts? Least favorite would probably be something like Kalsu. Heavy thrusters. You know, a lot of heavy thrusters. Um, with burpees. With burpees, yeah, with burpees. Yeah. Um, favorite workout, I don't know. Like, back in the day, I would have said something like Cindy. Um, something body weight related. Uh, oh, Annie. Like, I've, I've liked Annie, uh, double unders and uh, sit-ups. Yeah. Right nowadays, I, I don't really have a favorite, I don't think, um, because to me, yeah, to me, it's, it's more about the, the social stuff, just yeah. having fun, yeah. Did you have a go-to hotel workout when you were traveling a lot during those two years as a consultant? Oh yeah, um, yeah. So, um, I didn't have a good uh, hotel workout because I would go out of my way to drop into places. Yeah. Because at the time when I quit WIS and I started as a consultant, I knew that I wanted to open a box, and so traveling around the country allowed me to drop into a lot of different places and take pictures and talk with the owners and talk with the coaches and basically do research. So I would spend, if I could, I would spend an hour after the class just talking with the owner if they were around. And, um, and, and then I would go back to my hotel room and take notes. So I would you know, rate my experience. I would um, talk, I would, in a Google Doc, like write what I liked about it what I didn't like about it, I would both like physically like layout and then also people wise and like what kind of experience I had there. Uh, so I actually rarely did hotel workouts because I almost always was able to drop in somewhere. And then during those two years, how many gyms do you think you dropped into? Over 50. Over 50. Wow. Yeah. I dropped into probably about 10 total before that just from traveling like fabrication and stuff. But then during, yeah, during those two years, I can look it up, but it's probably over, it's over 50. And there was only one or two that I went back to on purpose because that's how good experience I had. Most others, I either had a mediocre experience or a bad experience. And so I never would go back. Um, and then I would also, I, just by nature of the job, I was in different places. Like it wasn't... Yeah. Some people travel for their jobs and they go to the same place every time, but I was all over the place. So. What's your favorite CrossFit memory or experience? That's a good question. Favorite CrossFit memory? Uh, as the construction is going on behind us. Um, 
Whenever, uh, you know, it's usually related to the community. It's usually related to social gatherings, like the ho like holiday parties, and uh, you know, it's it's almost never about a workout. It's usually about some sort of bigger gathering, either for because we're doing a fundraiser or because it's a holiday or barbecue. Th those are those are usually my favorite memories. Um, I mean, a bad memory would be uh, needing shoulder surgery. So, uh, you know, going into a competition and, and doing a silly movement uh, and then needing shoulder surgery and not doing a, you know, a pull-up for eight months. You know, that was frustrating at the time. Um, so that's a memory, but I wouldn't say that's a really a fun memory. But yeah. So let's go to those Eight months, you had a shoulder injury, so there was nothing upper body you could do. How did you cope with that? I squatted a lot, and I got really strong with squatting. Yeah. So, uh, hey, Mark. Sorry. No, it's all good. All right. Um, yeah, we got interrupted. But so shoulder surgery. Uh, so went to regionals in 2012 on a team. Uh, was feeling really good in terms of. Uh, fitness and you know had, had recently got married Connor wasn't around yet so was totally in the zone in terms of fitness and entered a competition and one of the movements was an overhead weighted squat or I'm sorry sit up so um, holding a plate at full extension sitting back and, and reaching and touching the floor and then sitting up with it just it literally ripped my arm out of its socket so uh, or subluxed, so it came out and then it, it went back in. So technically a dislocation. Um, for the next month, I didn't do a single workout, single thing, because I was in a sling. And I also, like I said, I'm not someone who feels like they need to work out. So I just try to manage the pain. And um, I was luckily, I was actually not even taking drugs after 24 hours, though. So I felt good about that. But it was still, you know, decently painful. Didn't do a workout for like a month. And then after that, it was a lot of single arm stuff until a few months later when I could use a safety bar to, um, to squat. And then when, I, when that happened, I basically squatted for the next uh, six months. And every with, day. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say every day, again, because I don't really, I don't work out every day. But every time I would workout would usually be squatting so 20 rep squat I went through that and then adding five or ten pounds every time I, I did that up until I hit a plateau and then took a new one rep max and then went back down and went back up and did that cycle and yeah I got really strong from squatting and so that was it hey Katie and uh yeah, I didn't do a pull-up until, like, just holding onto a bar was painful up until, I think, about eight months later. And then I didn't do a muscle-up until almost a year later. Wow. Yeah. So, but the doc also said, be prepared to not ever do a push-up again. So when he said that, and then eight months later, it actually didn't seem very long because he was prepping me to never do a push-up. And then I was a actually able to do a pull-up and get my range of motion back. So kind of didn't matter, right, at that point. Like, I was just happy to do a pull-up. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, but that's what, like, we get people who come in, and we just did the post about Tyler who had shoulder surgery, and, I, uh, you know, I can speak from experience, and I know you guys have had your things, and so we can talk from experience, like, yeah, you know, stuff happens, but we can work around it. Yeah, and it helps you mentally cope with it as well. Like, if you're yeah. going through an injury, like, I wish I, when I hurt my leg, I was like six weeks I was just like I guess just mad like everything sucked because mm-hmm. my friends could do things and I couldn't right and it was like a summer so like if I was in a community it would have made it so much better if I could do even if it's not the same thing but right me as well right yeah when you get hurt there are, it's it's a loss right you, you've yeah. lost and it's usually a loss of both the physical aspect but also the mental like expectations yeah. Right, like you are feeling great, and you have the, all these expectations that you're gonna, you know, crush it, or you know, it, and then all of a sudden you're going on this huge detour, uh, and so, you know, it's 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 kind of a loss of, you know, what you thought would would be your future, and then you have to take a detour, but just like most things, you know, this too shall pass. Like I look back at. 2012 and I'm like oh yeah that was long ago and I don't I barely remember it but yeah, yeah at the time I, I was probably pretty pissed that I needed surgery yeah. Rachel anything? I was going to say we could do your wrap up question wrap up question? Yeah. yeah go for it what's on your bucket list? man so uh, we really like traveling Having a three-year-old uh, and opening a business does, is not that conducive to traveling. But I would say bucket list, we still want to hit up any of the um, world wonders that still exist. And travel in general, we want to do like Galapagos Islands, uh, Australia, New Zealand, because we actually haven't been there. I would say those places are high up on the list. You know, I think with Connor we'll end up doing more domestic first because uh, we actually haven't even been to places domestically. Uh, but yeah, international travel is basically the entire bucket list because I don't have my, like I've, I've gone skydiving and bungee jumping and like all that stuff has already been done. So most of the bucket list is travel related. I don't know. I think I'm all questioned out. Cool. Yeah, we can end uh, there. Good. Yeah. All right, cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Hey, folks. Thanks again for listening to Cross Econa Radio. If you like what you heard, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review, which helps us get found on the interwebs. Also, head over to social media. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at CrossFit Kana, K-A-N-N-A. And if you have any questions for the podcast, email us at info at CrossFitKana.com. Thanks and have a great day.